Hello everybody, co-owner Om Gandhi here. Welcome one, welcome all to the audio edition of the Fireside Chats. For more stories like this, go to our website at runtrymag.com. That's runtrymag.com. You can also find us on Instagram at runtrymag. And you can also find us on Facebook at runtrybike. And now, on to the show. Evans, thank you for joining us. Really appreciate your time. Looking forward to this conversation. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. And thank you, Um, Again, I know last time I saw you, I was like blazing through a mile 19 at Ray Miller and like grabbed a potato and thanked you and kept going. So good seeing you again in like calmer circumstances. Yeah, the same place we actually met a year ago, which is awesome. Exactly. Um, it's just our yearly reunion. We'll do it every year. Yeah. So Shelly... Um, for the audience, let them know who you are and, and what you do in the endurance sports world. Yeah, yeah. so my name's Shelly. I live in uh, San Diego and I run ultras. I've been running, I've been doing distance running for 10 years now. I uh, started off with half marathons and marathons, but now I am very full-blown in trail running, ultra running. Uh, yeah, so that's what I do. So from half marathons and, road, and marathons who are on the road? Yeah, so. So I had played soccer all growing up, was very competitive in that. And then one day woke up, didn't want to do college soccer, was burnt out. So I went into college and kind of did a couple months of just doing the college thing and I needed to have a sport. So I trained for a half marathon. That was the Hollywood Road Half Marathon. And then, of course, you do a half marathon and everyone's question is like, when are you going to do a full marathon? So then I signed up for the Carlsbad Full Marathon, did that, and it just like sparked a fire or a demon, however you want to look at it. Um, kept doing more marathons, more marathons. And then one day I heard about ultra marathons. It was actually, was watching a documentary on bad waters. That was actually what did it for me. And I was like, ooh, that's cool. I want to do that one day. Um, so then it turned into how can I train for an ultra? And then that kind of sparked that. Amazing. So what part, if you can recall, about the bad water documentary got you interested because I I've crewed at Badwater okay. and, and so I have experience there so I'd love to hear what was it that you were like absolutely that is what I want to venture into to me it's pushing the human body to your absolute limit right so I think it's seeing if you can do something and I think even more so it's pushing yourself mentally to your absolute limit so I just remember in the documentary I think the guy was like throwing up on the side of the road but I just remember having this thing of like, if you can make it through that and keep going, you can make it through anything in life, right? And I think we know as ultra runners, it's so metaphorical to like stuff we're all gonna go through in our life of you're gonna, it's gonna be fun and then it's not gonna be fun, but you know what, if you push through it, it's gonna be fun again. Um, and so I think just seeing that and then adding in, like I'm fascinated by hot weather. I love hot weather. So like there's that element of it. Um, obviously growing up in Southern California, Death Valley and the Sierras are very much home to me. So there's that element of it. Um, but yeah, I think it was just seeing like, in my mind, those people are kind of crazy. So I wanted to like be a part of that one day. Yeah, what's cr crazy about going through Death Valley is at the end when you climb the Whitney portal, yeah. you climb, it's freezing up there. Like it is such a drastic change. And I would say, you know, pretty quickly, but it takes time to, to go up the up the mountain. So, you know, you feel that temperature change, but it's a, it's an amazing experience. So for those of you, who are interested in getting into ultras, that's definitely one to, to look at and really push your limits, as you say. 
What's the what's the longest race that you've done so far in the ultra world? So I, as of now, my longest race is a 50k. I've done a couple of those. Um, looked into other longer races, haven't ended up doing them. And then right now, I'm in a month from today going to be doing my first 102k. So that will be my longest uh, distance to date. And it's not just any 102k. Let, let me let's let's unwrap this gift because it's pretty special. Where are you going to be going for this? You know, next level. So pretty stoked. It's a, a yeah UTMB race. It's Tarawera, so it's out in New Zealand. Um, I think for me the cool part of ultra is it's just like you're combining nature with running, right? So road running, amazing. But to me, it's about like the feeling of running, the community, right? The people. Those are all equally as amazing in road running. But something about being out in nature, right? You're like by yourself you don't see anyone for 20 minutes you're like my loss like i love that whole aspect of it um and i think to be able to do that i've never been to new zealand i spent a month living in australia and it was like one of the best months of my life so i have this like love for that part of the world of just like the people the outdoors the culture all of that so to be able to see that part of the world on foot like that's that's a gift in itself um so pretty excited just to be able to be around people at that race this is cart before the horse, but are you envisioning distances longer than 102K at this point? Oh, yeah, 100%. So do, um, do, yeah, yeah, we got a 100-mile plan, and then bad water is actually in my, like, plan. Um, so I'd like to have, like, a couple years of doing other 100-mile races before I ask my body to do that at 120. Um, but that, those are all very much. And then, like, Moab kind of sparked something um, very much all in the plan. I love it. Um, if you don't mind me asking what is your process for choosing races do they sort of just call out to you is it the locations um is it kind of like you said the experiences like um how did you choose tarawira and how do you choose your races you know um i could be called impulsive in my life where i like see something and i get excited and then like i tunnel vision on it which i think a lot of runners do right like we're excited people um so i think it's just what calls like what calls to my gut right? Like what you kind of see and really, really excites you. So like Ray Miller, my first ultra, I fell in love with trail running in the Santa Monica mountains. So it was like, what better way than to run my first ultra, like two hours from my home in the mountains of Malibu. Um, Australia, I have, have like a significant love for just as the place itself. So being able to run a race in that area, I had heard about Tarawera through years of just like following different ultra runners, seeing their experience there, seeing the terrain, so I think that was a big part of it. Um, for me, it's very much about the community, the people, and the terrain. So if I can get those three things together, and then obviously if you can get some good vert and mileage, then that makes it more fun. Designed for running adventures on a variety of surfaces, the Catula Exospikes footwear traction are at home on ice and snow, as well as on dry, rocky ground. 12 ultra-durable tungsten carbide spikes provide an impressive amount of grip when you need it, and stand up to rocks and other abrasive trail features when you don't. Exospikes will inspire you to follow the trail less traveled, even when it's covered in ice. For more information, visit Catula.com. Jelly, talk to us a little bit about the journey to this running, and not just the, the 102K, but you know what you've had to overcome in the most recent past to get to this point, because it's a phenomenal story. Yeah, so I grew up very, very active, played competitive soccer my whole life, traveled around doing that. I mean, that was pretty much my childhood. It was like every weekend, every night um, was kind of, there was multiple years 
I wanted to become a professional soccer player. That was actually my goal in life. Um, and then one day just woke up and didn't have the same love for it. I remember seeing other women on my team and it was a very competitive team and they had this just fire about it for them and I didn't have it. So I quit the next day, um, gave up what I was going to do end of high school and college, went to college, started doing road running, um, did a half marathon, a full marathon, and then I decided to simultaneously train for the Boston Marathon and my first ultra at the same time. So I started running just really high mileage, no coach, no strength training, no mobility work. Um, in that same year, I also went through like a very, very traumatic loss, um, something I had never experienced and was not myself for a year. So I started not eating the way that I should have. Um, I was doing intermittent fasting, which in reality meant eating like a meal at like 3 p.m. and a meal at 5 p.m. and that was it. So my body wasn't getting fuel. Um, that worked for a while. And after a year, one day, my body just had enough. Um, I was on a run one day and it was actually a one year anniversary from the loss I had gone through. Um, so strangely enough, it was like those feelings were all in my head. And I just remember getting this like 12 out of 10 debilitating nerve pain down my leg. And it's something that like, I don't wish on my worst enemy. It was just like, went from feeling fine to just like drop to the ground sobbing. Um, I had to get a ride home. It was in that moment, I knew something was terribly wrong. And that started uh, the trail of 17 different medical professionals to try to figure out what was wrong with me. We went to physical therapists, did the eight weeks that didn't do anything, went back to the MD, um, did a spine MRI and x-ray. We went to uh, like inner healer that wasn't doing anything. I tried going to different PTs because they all had different theories, right? So you go to one, it's not working. It's like, oh, it's like your glute, it's your back, it's your hip. In this time, initially, it was a lower left back problem. But if you continue to, I was continuing to try to run, right? So I couldn't walk, but I would go out and try to go for a run. So I'm like, my right leg is pretty much dragging and I'm still trying to like run and then I would fall and sob. Um, it was not very pretty for anyone to watch. And so I would go to another physical therapist and then that would just cause more problems. Like my right hip went out um, at some point, seven months into it. I developed like bilateral nerve issues on both legs because I had had nerve compression for so long. Um, so now like pretty much from my hip down to my foot, if any like sensory thing would go near my leg, it would just fire off nerve signals. Um, at this point, they start thinking it's an autoimmune problem. So we start doing just like all the blood work you can possibly imagine. Um, you can imagine the response when it was all coming back negative too, right? Because at this point I had been to three three MDs and by the third one they were convinced it was in my head so now they're trying to get me on all sorts of anxiety medication which that's great if that's what you need but I was like if this was anxiety I'd be running right like that's what I do for anxiety um so they were trying to get that I went and ended up at Stanford medication or Stanford uh and like they did all these different tests same thing it was like we can put you on anxiety medication we don't really know what's wrong with you um so that went on for two years it was two years that I couldn't use a bathroom on my own. I couldn't turn the shower on on my own. I would be lying if I said that I wasn't trying to run during the time. So it would be like, I'd go, I would go on this like 10 mile walk run where I'd be just like dragging myself. And then I wouldn't be able to move for three weeks. And then I would do the same thing three weeks later. Um, in that time, I was still not really addressing like any of the actual problems, right? It wasn't like I was trying to strength train or do mobility work or eat more or any of that. It was just like, you know, they say like the definition of insanity is in doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. And I think 
me in those two years, like was the definition of insanity. Was I insane? No, but was I doing that cycle hundred percent? Um, I tried sports psychologists where they'd be like, visualize yourself strong. And I would like visualize myself strong and still have the same problem. Um, that, that didn't work either. And so it was just, yeah, it was, you know, at the time I also didn't have, um, health insurance because I had just turned 25. So I had gone off of my parents' health insurance and was like, oh, I'm young, I'm healthy, I run, I'll be fine. And then the injury was like a month later. Um, so that wasn't like prime timing. And like, no one thought it would go on very long, right? We all thought it'd be like two weeks of PT. Um, at this point, none of my MDs would, re would uh, request any PT either. So I couldn't get into any physical therapy. Um, so yeah, that went on for two years. And one night I like absolutely cried myself to sleep. I remember it very, very well. It was actually a January of 2021. And it was like, I think January 7th or 8th. So exactly like almost two years ago today. Yeah. Um, and I just remember I was never like a person that really struggled like as much in mental health as I was in those two years. And I just remember not wanting to be on this earth. It's like, I can't, I also work on my feet. I work with dogs, I train service dogs. So I couldn't work either. I just felt like useless to the world. And I felt very misunderstood because no one knew what was wrong with me. Um, and I, that night, uh, reached out to Sally McRae and actually sent her an email and was like, Hey, this is my situation. Like, can you, can you help me? Please help me. Um, did you know Sally beforehand or was this sort of like a cold call sales cold pitch? Call. It was like an email to like her admin email on her website. So cold call, never seen her, never met her. Um, I had followed her for a little bit, but it wasn't even like I had followed her for that long of a period of time. Like she's incredible by all means, but I just like hadn't really been on like, hadn't followed a lot of professional athletes for a long <clears> time. And so it was just one of those things where everything I saw, it was just like strength, right? You can do anything. Like all of her message is very much about like being strong and resilient. And it was like, okay, like maybe someone like that can like do something to help me. Um, so I sent her an email and it was like, gosh, I don't even want to look back to see what I said, but I like wasn't in a good headspace. I was like very upset. The next day I got an email back. It was like six o'clock in the morning. So we're talking like an eight hour turnaround time. And it was like, hey, I can talk to you today. Went on the phone with her, talked to her for two hours. Um, in those two hours, I like poured my heart out, like all my history, everything. And she agreed to coach me. Um, so that was like January of two years ago within two or three months, she had me believing that I would run again. Um, so she had me doing these walk runs, doing all this strength, trying to build my body stronger. There was still something obviously wrong, but I was getting to a point where like, I was actually feeling like I could be stronger. Um, go ahead. So had there been the conversation with the 17th doctor yeah. before the Sally, so Sally McRae before doctor number 17. Yeah. Okay. So she came in and I told her, I'm like, Hey, like all these people. And within those 17, I should say, I think about 10 of them told me I, I should never run or would never run again. Right. So I was getting that from like many of them, like, Hey, like your body's just messed up. Like whether, whatever it is you're doing. Um, None of them had asked questions they probably should have asked, like, hey, have you undergone trauma lately? Like, are you eating? Like, very basic things, right? But instead it was like, oh, we don't know what's wrong. You should, like, I remember the, the doctor at Stanford, I, I won't say his name, but told me, like, hey, maybe you switch and do the elliptical, you know? And it's just like, no, like, I want to be outside, right? I want to be with my friends. Like, you, you don't understand. Um, yeah, so she was, when I reached out to her, it was like, hey, I haven't run in almost two years. Um, I am like mentally a wreck. I feel like I'll never run again. Can you help me, please? Um, and so 
she immediately uh, agreed. It wasn't even coach to mentor me. So we would talk on the phone for an hour every week. And like, she really helped through like some pretty serious, like personal stuff in my life, getting me to a point where I believed I could run. And then she connected me with her friend, who's also her physical therapist, which is professional physical therapy in Whittier. And I will like float for them all day long. Um, She convinced them to give me an appointment. I lived in the Bay Area at the time, so Northern California. Um, They're in Southern California. So I drove down from San Jose to Whittier, California, so Southern California, to get an appointment with a physical therapist. Uh, Within 30 minutes of looking at me, she knew what was wrong with me. Uh, My pelvis was up and tilted forward. So we're basically talking about not just like a little anterior tilt, right, but it was completely anterior tilted. My left side was, I think, two inches higher than my right side. So it's just like, which is great and all, but then all the kinetic chain injury. So that was compressing a nerve in my back, but now my hips hike, right? All these other things. So she did like a manual adjustment, gave me stuff to do. Um, long story short, one month later I was running. Um, and then six months later ran my first ultra, like placed at my first ultra. And now we're at like a year and a half later from that. And I'm running between hundred and 130 miles a week. No problems. Um, what was that, um, I said that's amazing. That is super amazing. Wild. I mean, yeah, I've, those people are the best people. So the um, the issue with your hips and the alignment and, and leaning forward, was that caused by an incident or is that just something that happened over the course of your time, whether it be, you know, training dogs, running on the road, like how did that come about? Were they able to diagnose that? Yes. So you have uh, your psoas muscle, right? Which we always talk about as like the deep hip flexor. It's the only muscle that combines upper body to lower body, right? And your psoas muscle is also where you hold all of your cortisol. So when you undergo or when someone undergoes traumatic events, that clenches, right? So it's where all your flight or fight is held. Um, So likely with me, we had a mixture of traumatic event that caused PTSD for two years. and mine was just clenching, right? And then I'm not doing any of the back, which we all go through things, right? We all have stuff in our life that is tough, but the idea is then you stretch, you do strength training, you do all the other things, but I was doing that. And I visibly will look at like videos of myself from like walking, running in that time. And I was like hunching over. So over time that just pulled me into this hunched position and I didn't do anything to correct it. And then you add that with like severely under fueling we're talking like 800 calories a day under fueling running 20 miles right and like that was just the catalyst of like your body's trying so hard for you and it's just not happening i mean that's amazing and i think you know for those of you who are listening to this like understand that you know you need to take care of your body and pay attention to all the signals that it is giving you throughout time you know i know for me one of the things that i tend to to do even when I'm standing is hunching forward. And so just working on making sure I straighten my um, self up just so that I can have that alignment and avoid those injuries that take time to develop, right? For, for lack of a better phrase and wind up taking you, you know, 16, 17 doctors before you're like, okay, talk about um, in having to go see the, that number of doctors, 16, 17, finally advocating for yourself or advocating for yourself the entire time, but a little bit more about the mental side of it too, because if people keep saying to you, nothing is wrong, nothing is wrong, you should be fine. Like, how do you um, manage that on the mental side? The physical side we discussed, but how do you manage that on the mental side? 
I mean, full transparency, I broke. Um, I absolutely broke in that time. It was, I think the hardest thing that a lot of people can feel is not being understood, right? Not being seen, not being heard. And in those two years, I didn't, like, I will genuinely say Sally was the first person in that time I felt like seen and heard me, right? Because I had some awesome people in my life, but they didn't have the same love for running, right? So they would give me the like, well, at least it's not X, at least it's not Y, right? Like they give you the like your situation, you could have six months to live. And it's like, I understand that, but this is like my reality and my world and what I'm dealing with. Um, so I think I would get that from amazing, awesome people, but that wouldn't really help what I was feeling in that moment. Um, and then within like, you know, I didn't have, it's funny because before my injury, I didn't really have a running community, right? I ran by myself all the time. It was like, I'd go to my little road races by myself and leave by myself. And then like, you have this amazing transformation of like, after that, I would say like the 30 people in my life I'm closest to are like, because of the endurance community. Um, so that's like, that's been another gift of this, right? Because I just realized like how much those people understand me. Um, so I think, yeah, it was very much this feeling of like, I felt crazy. I very much did. I didn't feel seen. I didn't feel heard. I felt hopeless in the moment. And I would say, I remember in my email to Sally, I think I used the word broken four times. That was just like how I looked at myself as like weak and weak, fragile and broken, you know, versus like strong, powerful and resilient, which is how I look at myself now. That's amazing. For those of you that are just joining us, my name is Jason Bahamundi. I'm the founder of Run, Drive, Bike. I'm being joined by co-owner Om Gandhi and Shelly Van Dievens, ultra runner, um, who just went through uh, in detail her journey from 2019 through to today, having visited 17 doctors all along the way and sending for what, uh, lack of a better term, is a cold sales pitch to Sally McRae to be a mentor, friend, and coach, and um, is preparing to be racing in New Zealand in one month from now um, at a UTMB race, Tarawara, which is 102K. Hopefully I pronounced that correctly. Um, I don't think I don't, I don't think any of us have. <laughs> <laughs> we'll all just throw what we can at it. Uh, yeah, as long as we're all pronouncing it incorrectly consistently. <laughs> I hope they're not watching this. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will be racing a UTMB race at the end of April, and it's the Canyons, which is a lot much a lot easier to, to pronounce. So I'm in the clear. <laughs> in your um, race criteria, you have to be able to pronounce it. You know. <laughs> so, um, so tell me about the uh, so tell me about the first Ray Miller that you did, and what that experience is like. Like, especially after this two-year journey, um, just what the overall experience was like, pre-race, like during the race, post-race. Like, I personally know some of it, but it's a great story, and I think everyone should hear it. Yeah, I think if I could start off, best day of my life, hands down. I've had some really good days, great memories, all of that, but just the feeling of, I remember going into it and it was my mom actually, she was like, why are you doing this? Like, don't do this. And I remember looking at her and I'm like, I want to see if I can't do it. Um, so going before into you it. Continue, um, before you continue, I just wanted to let everybody know this is not your run of the mill 50K. Um, this is a 50K in the Santa Monica mountains. That's very rugged. I think it's like 6,000 feet of gain. Wow. Um, it's definitely not. <laughs> You know, a 50K I would sign up for is my first 50K, but it's a beautiful and stunning race. But yeah, go on. Yeah, so when I started training, I basically had, I remember uh, I wanted to do a race in 2021, right? I wanted like that. I'm like, this is my year. I'm like going to get back from running. And I remember her being like, 
okay, we're going to have like five months to do it. Like, are you sure you want to do it this year? Just like from a training perspective, right? Like maybe we have a little more time from you going to not being able to run for two minutes to running a 50 K, like maybe a little bit more time. And it was like, like, no, I want to do it. And like, she being the rad person she like is like supported me through that and was like, all right, we're going to do it, you know? And so training through that was very much like a mix of trying to train properly, but also trying to like not wreck myself after not running for two years. Right. So being very mindful of like actually listening to my body. If I feel something, I don't do that. Um, I had to become really diligent with fueling, which was hard for me. Like I said, I had been eating very, very little, um, for two and a half, three years of my life. Um, had to give up the intermittent fasting, which is one of the best things I've ever done. Um, I'm not a dietitian, but it didn't work for me. It wasn't something like for my body, whether it's being a female or my level of activity to run at five o'clock in the morning and then not eat until 2 p.m. in the afternoon, just like wasn't working well. Um, so I would like not feel to like, I'd like black out and be like, oh, this is funny. I wonder why. And I'm like, you know, that was probably why. And so that was, uh, again, the insanity cycle, right? We're seeing a trend. And so it basically was like in October, I started being able to actually run like two, three times a week, did the whole training plan, right? That was all by Sally. And then leading up to it, it was just this like immense excitement, obviously with like all these emotions of like, this has been a dream for four years and like, you're going to go do it. Um, the race itself was like incredible. Um, the entire time I was just fighting demons in my head of like, when I used to run, I used to like, suffer like panic attacks because I'd be scared of the pain coming back and that's something that I've been able to get past but at that time I would say two out of three runs I would like start hyperventilating because I'd be so scared of it happening again I'm like you're gonna get hurt you're weak you're fragile and you're not going to run for two years um so during that run I remember having a couple moments where I would fight that and feel that um but moved past it um I made like eight friends that day who are still friends to this day just like the community immediately just like I remember bring, being on the start line, like waiting and just feeling like I was going to throw up. And a couple of the women from Ultra Ultra Reds in San Diego, like came up to me and were like, hey, like, who are you? Are you good? And I think they just saw me like pale white. Uh, um, but yeah. Uh, was I, it Izzy? Was it Izzy? Yeah. Yeah. yeah she was Izzy a guest on our show too. They like came up to me and they saw me just like pacing around. Like, I, did, I don't think I looked well at all. Um, looking back and then Kira, the race director, came over and like gave me a little side hug. Like, you're okay. You know? And so... Uh, I did that race in about a tenth of a mile from the finish. I ate it, um, as many of us do in our – it was like you could see the finish, right? They're all <laughs> cheering for you. I think most, a lot of people saw it. I ate it. So I, like, covered it in blood. I finished this full on glory, and I start sobbing, right? Like, all the emotion of, like, you freaking did it. Like, you are, like, you're resilient. You're incredible. And then, like, I remember the little EMT guy coming up to me and thinking that I'm sobbing because of my knee. And I'm like, no, no, I'm just emotional. And so he, like – takes me into the tent because they think I need stitches at the time. And I'm like, just let me like feel this in this moment. Um, but yeah, I would say if I could describe it in one word, it was euphoric. It was just like the best feeling I've ever had in my life of not only realizing like, this is what I like truly love, the thing I truly love to do, but then also just like feeling this power in myself of like, if I can do this, I can do anything. Like if I did this the last two years of my life and I am like now an ultra runner, right? I remember like, it was Sally actually like saying those words, like you're an ultra runner, ultra runner now. And that just like hit something in me. Um, and yeah, that's changed how I live every aspect of my life. Um, I think, you know, we can have like, we can be relentless in things and have like full passion for things and know that we're capable of anything. And then like, we can get through anything. And I feel like I learned that that day. And 
correct. Um, and you know, like, I uh, just wanted to bring this up, uh, just so everybody knows what's been like, the what's been up recently, but like, you know, like, that race almost set the precedence for your 2022. Like, you know, 2022 was like you said, in one of your posts, your first injury free year since I believe 2017. Um, <laughs> you ran, I think, over 3000 miles. Um, you podiumed a few races. Uh, just tell me how like, tell me how, how that race kind of like created this forward momentum. And just tell me kind of how 2022 has felt for you and how that sets the precedence for 2023. Yeah, it, it definitely did. I think it was me realizing to put my energy into like the things I love, the thing I'm, things I'm passionate about. But I think even more than that, realizing like we can do hard things, right? And I remember like one of my goals for the year, and I'm not big on resolutions, but we can always have goals, right? We can always be changing those was like, I'm going to make this year injury free. And whatever that looks like, if that means like, there was two weeks in March, which I didn't run, didn't run at all those two weeks, because it was just like, I had done multiple races in a row. And I just felt my body was tired, right? Like I was like, sleeping more, I didn't feel 100%. And in the past, I would have been like, shut up body, we're going to keep running. And instead, it was like, no, I'm going to be kind to you. Maybe we'll like ride a bike, do the whole Peloton thing. Like, that was those two weeks. And so I think a big thing was like, being more intuitive with how I feel about things versus feeling like my brain always knows what to do. Um, so yeah, I think it was also going with my gut on things. So all the races I did in 2022 were all just like gut feelings on races of like, this looks fun for this reason. Like this is with these friends. So I want to do it. It was all just about like enjoying the love of running versus trying to do X or Y. Um, and then as far as 2023, I think it's like, okay, so now I did 3,500 miles behind injury free year. Like, well, now can I do 100k at a time or 100 miles at a time or go for a BQ? Like, I think now I'm kind of gearing into like seeing how far can I actually push myself in one event. Did you say that you placed at the Ray Miller? It was, uh, I did third in my age and then eighth overall. Okay. So that leads me to this question. When you were out there, right, first race back, you're performing well. Did you know how well you were performing? And if you did, was that what spurred you on? Or was it the idea that th this is my first race back and I feel great and I'm just going to keep running? You know, the unique thing about Ray Miller is the first, like, two miles is this, like, 1,200-foot climb. So you basically get barreled to the single track. Um, I had so much anxiety. I just, like, bolted at the start right like the last thing you should do right I'm not saying any coach ever told me to run to go <laughs> redline my first two miles but I did and then like all the hill training I, I had done which like again thank you Sally for that I like got to the top and I was like I feel good I should just keep this like this output right so now I've like put out an output for the first two miles and I think just like the strength it takes to like go to 17 doctors over two years and not have answers and move forward to that and run again like running an ultra is not compared to that you know and I think we all know that in our personal lives right like those are the hard things not like running running easy life's hard that's what I always think about you know yeah. and so I think it was like that pushed me and then it was like I just want to maintain this and if I'm honest I was just like star power the entire time I was just having a good time and it for me it's never been like oh I want to try to do well at this race it's just I want to see what my body can do so do you have goals for Tarawara in a month from now? Definitely, I want to go sub, sub uh, 15 hours to get a lottery ticket for Western States. Um, that's been a big goal. So I think 
I want to finish my first 102k. So I don't want to go out and try to run like a seven minute mile for a hundred. Like it's not going to work. Um, so I'm obviously humble in the sense of like, I know I have no business trying to hold a certain pace in a race like that. Um, but I, I definitely want to go sub 15. What's the elevation gain at that event? I don't want to be wrong. I think it's like eight or nine. I think it's eight or nine. Okay. So a lot less than, than Ray Miller on a per mile basis. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Maybe I mean, cause maybe, maybe I do go for it. This is good advice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to blame you. If I bonk at mile 62, I'm going to be like, Hey, Jason told me. To <laughs> well, Om and anybody who knows me will tell you my motto is all gas and no brakes. So I'm who's like, yeah, I'm going to go for it. And if things fall apart, they fell apart. I gave it all I had, you know, it is what it is. I, I did the uh, bike leg at the 70.3 in Indian Wells. And for like the first, I don't know, half the race, 30 miles, I was averaging like 21, 22 miles an hour. And I think the back half, I was averaging like 13. Like I couldn't yeah. even pedals. I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> walk, I'd be doing, going a lot faster. So go for it's, it. It's more fun. I think uh, I have a, I hate to admit I have a quote on my wall, but I do. And it was like, if you think you're, you think you have things under control, you're not going fast enough. And it's like, I see it every morning in my office and it's so dangerous for me to look at, but it's so true. So I, I think we've all had a race where we've come out like too fast. And it's just like one of those like memes where it's like, Oh, like, you know, when you see the finish line and you've been walking for the last 20 miles and then you just <laughs> power through. Oh, it's so much more fun that way, though. You know, you're like, I, so I did it all. Like, I can't feel anything, but here we are. So I, I forget, um, remind me who wrote um, Running on the Edge for us. Was it Krista, Christy? Oh, Running on the Edge. Um, oh, that was uh, Christy Palmer. Yeah. Mm. So she wrote an article us called running on the edge and I think for me that's the way I have to participate in events is okay I'm going hard I know my heart rate is sky high training tells <laughs> to be able to hold this but let's see what happens right and 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 go for it go for broke um great things might come of it and honestly like I tell some of the athletes I coach you'll have a great story if you blow up it's okay they both work <laughs> High risk, high reward, you know, that's right. how I live my life. <laughs> so you mentioned uh, qualifying for Western States. You mentioned Boston qualifying as well. Give us some of the events that are on your bucket list, the things that you want to do or, or have to do, you know, for yourself. I mean, not with getting carried away, but Western States, 100%, I think it's on all of our lists, right? Um, that's kind of an easy one. Um, Definitely Mount Blanc as well. Um, Badwater's on my plan, but I see it more as like a five to seven year plan just because I recognize like I need years and years of running before I go to anything like that. Um, also need to find people that are okay with curing me in that. So that's going to take like years of like, all right, we got one. Uh, we got two. All right, we go next year. Next year I'll apply. No. Um, so that's kind of like, that's definitely, definitely on my plan. Um, getting a BQ has been a goal just because when I got injured, I was trying to get one. So I think now I'm at a point where I'm, my heart isn't in road races, but I'm very stubborn in life or passionate, however we want to look at it. And so for me, I'm like, I feel like I have to do that at some point, even though like loved ones will say, you don't have to do it. I feel like I need to. Um, so I'm looking, I think like I'm doing like the LA marathon just for fun, but that's two weeks post 102K. So I recognize it's probably not the BQ race for me. Um, so I think uh, 
CIM at the end of the year, I might try to go for one and then just try to do it the following year. Um, but I would say, yeah, Mount Block, Western States, Badwater, kind of like the three ones that I know are like in my longer term plan. So Jamil, Corey, Corey just joined us. Is Cogadona on your list for, for long courses after the, your 100 milers? <laughs> I mean, I think 125. That's right. With old courses, like, so once you do it, right, you either need to go do it better or you need to do more, right? Like, those are kind of the, like, that was my whole thing with Ray Miller this past year is I'm like, I want to do it as a training race for Tower Wear, but I have to PR my time, right? I can't go slower than last year. Um, and I like, no one should take my advice, but my point is like, I know myself very well. So I could see doing the 100 miler and like, in my mind right now, I'm like, then you're done, right? But like reality says, no, then I'm going to want to do like the 200 and then, yeah. So I could very much see that happening. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the big name races are out there locally. What's a race that you would talk about that you would say for people that are in where I'm at in Phoenix and Southern California, that it's a race that, you know, get to Southern California to do because of X, Y, and Z. You know, I'll probably do Ray Miller every year for the rest of my life. Um, that will always have a special place in my heart. The race director, Kira, is like an incredible human being. Um, she was so nice to me my first time and made me feel so welcomed. Um, <clears throat> so I think that's one where you're running up in the mountains with an ocean view the entire time. Like, how do you beat that? It's all single track. It's not technical. It's all runnable. Um, so I think that's one that I'll consistently do just for fun and to try to keep PRing. Um, you're laughing, but we'll continue. So I would say that's a big one. A lot of the ones in the LA, LA area are like these loops, which I know people like all like just run in circles for like four days straight. Um, yeah. I'm not that insane. So I think for me, I'm like, I want to see stuff while I run. I don't want to just like, see what happens when I run a hamster wheel for four days, um, but power to you. So yeah, I think that's definitely one. And then I definitely want to do either like San Diego 100 or a run. I do a lot of my training out in like the Laguna Mountains of San Diego. So I think doing a race out there would be cool. I laugh because you said that Ray Miller is runnable yet no more than five <laughs> minutes ago. was 6,000 feet of 30 miles. Like those two don't add up. I mean, I remember filling out like a sheet for like my coach and it was like your favorite running workout and it was hill repeats. That's what I put down. And she was like, are you good? You know, like, it just like, for me, I love like, like you're running up a hill, right? We're not going to go into like that song or anything, but just what, what more powerful feeling than literally running up a hill. And then like, at that point, your heart rate spikes, and then you just bomb down it. I mean, so I love the elevation. I think I do better with elevation than running flat. I don't have leg turnover to run four minute miles. I never will. Um, but if it's a hill, then I can pass those people on my great adjusted pace. Yeah, so. but then when in doubt, run the hillier route. I mean, it, it, you get stronger. And so that when you get to the flat or the ability to run downhill, you actually have the ability to do both at a pace you probably didn't think about being able to do. Exactly. For those of you that are just joining us, my name is Jason Bahamundi. I'm the founder of Run Tribe Bike. We're being joined by co-owner Om Gandhi and Shelly Van Dieven, ultra runner, who just took us through her running journey. You'll be able to read about it in full detail in our next digital magazine, which is being dropped on January 15th. And the only place to get it is through our newsletter. So after this conversation is over, go to the link in our bio on Instagram, su subscribe to our newsletter, or go to our website, runtrimag.com, and subscribe to our newsletter there. Shelly, thank you so much for joining us. Before we let you off the hook, we're going to have some fun with some questions 
that we call rapid fire, but take your time to answer them. And if you get ridiculous reactions from me, just keep talking because I find these questions to be the ones that draw the most emotion out of me. All right, fair enough. We'll start simply. When you run podcast, music, or nothing at all? <clears throat> Usually nothing, occasionally music, if I just really want to feel something, but I'm a kind of, I want to like hear myself breathe kind of person. Absolutely. But when you do choose music, what kind of music are you listening to and your favorite artist in that genre? You know, I would, if I had to go like one immediate, it would be NF. He's like, he gets the angry side of me and I'm not an angry person. So it allows me to feel angry for like a couple hours of my life. It's good. All right. So this is going to determine whether or not you have me and Ohm on your Badwater crew or just Ohm. Okay. All right. Pineapple on pizza. Yay yeah. or nay? Hey, Ohm, you're all on and I'm out. <laughs> uh, oh, man. I mean, fruit, you got to eat fruit on everything, right? It's like so sweet. Fruit. Fruit 100%. Why do you need to add more fruit to your fruit? Don't you want every, you could have every fruit group in one piece of food. That's the best food in the world, right? You've got like your bread, your vegetable, dairy, like everything in one piece of food. Yeah, you. Oh, she's got a full. <laughs> really good. I will argue all, all day long. You don't need to add anything to perfection. That's how I look. But we can always be better, right? We can never be perfect, but we can always be better. Pizza is why, perfect. Why are you striving for perfect? No, there's no perfection. It doesn't exist. Getting better than you were yesterday. If you're going to eat pizza, there are three styles that I will recognize, and really only one of them counts. New York, Chicago, or Detroit. Which style pizza are you eating? No, like new is. I'm distracted by the pineapple, right? I just care about what's on top of it. So, sorry for those in Chicago. That's a tomato soup bowl, right? It's like a deep dish it's tomato soup bowl. Detroit style has cheese that's melted on the side, and it's like a square. And then New York style is the thin, flat crust that you can fold. There you go, Chicago. I'd rather uh. more. I'd rather, I know, I know. We were we were hitting it off. We were doing well, and now I feel like we're just going downhill. <laughs> I want, like, bread and, like, sauce. I mean, if there's no bread, then, like, what am I? I'm just eating, like, sauce with cheese. Right, in which case, that's bread with sauce. It's I, that's wonderful, right? I'm with you on that. I'm just, like, all I need in my life is, like, bread and vegetables, and I could live off of it. So don't go to me for dietary advice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, Chicago with pineapple would be my order. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally caught flat-footed now in this conversation. I don't even know yeah. what it's... No, you got to just divert, you know, just... <laughs> candy corn? Is that a real candy, or is it candle wax masquerading as candy? Candle wax. All right. All right. I'm All back right. on the crew. Back on the crew. All right. Peeps, is that a real candy or is it just gross? I would say gross. Yes. I'm kind of picky. Okay, okay. We've had people tell us that they they like peeps, but they enjoy it when they're enjoy them when they're stale. And I'm like, so rocks? Like I don't understand. Well, hey, don't you know, I like like touching them, but I don't want to eat them. If that's <laughs> weird, right? Like they feel fun, but I'm not put inside your mouth. I don't know. What about? Eggs. 
Those ones that have like that milky thing in the middle. Wait, they're like chocolate with the milk? Yeah, it's like chocolate outside and then you break it up and it actually looks like an egg yolk. No. But it's just no, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. All right, we're back. Tex we're back. The texture. The textures, you know? Now we're getting into some texture. I don't know if our phobia is, but I can't do it. What about circus peanuts? Yay or nay? I mean, the occasion calls for it, right? Like, if I'm at a circus, I'm at a, but, like, no, I, no circus I, peanuts. I can have a contingency. Yep. Okay. Orange things that are, like, in the cell phone, cellophane pack that you get at, like, the gas stations. Your grandmother probably had them on a candy dish. I don't know where it came from. I probably am passing. Yeah, they're like um, they're like styrofoam. They're like orange colored styrofoam. I'm they're terrible. Feeling like you don't like them, yeah. Terrible. <laughs> Never. No, Pass. Red velvet. Is it a flavor, an actual flavor, or is it just chocolate cake with red dye? Chocolate cake with red dye. I do like it, but chocolate cake red dye. Yeah. So you're hitting a home run. We're back in. We're the, back, we're back we're in the. Like five out of six. That's like I'd say a ninety percent. The band is back together. All right. When you're out racing, would you prefer to be the hunter or to be hunted? I mean, I love the chase, but I feel like it's almost more fun to get away, right? Like, yeah, I'd say, I'd say hunted. I wouldn't hunt either. So, yeah. Yeah, we'll go hunted. What's your, fav what's your favorite book? Oh, oof. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I have to go David Goggins' first book. Um, we're going down this route, but yeah, can't hurt me. Can't hurt me would be the favorite. That stuff has messed me up. I think I've read it twice and listened to it once. That's impressive, like, to be able to put something on repeat. You really have to like it to that extent. I mean, I think just in, like, little moments, I'll feel like, are you weak? And then I hear him, like, yelling, and I'm like, all right, no, I don't know. So from an entertainment standpoint, are you a TV or movie person? You know, I'm not, I don't really watch TV or watch movies. I know it's weird, but I'm like, I just don't sit still very often. So I'm not big on either. To be fair, I did do film in college, so that's weird. Um, but we can all change, I guess. So I would say, right? Because you get, you get to do something and then you get to do it again and again and again. Versus the movie, it's like you do it once, and then you, even if you really like the movie, it's over. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah. what's your TV show? What's the TV show you'd go back to? I mean, if I'm not even giving it thought, I would say Office. I'm a big comedy person, and that's the only one I've watched multiple times. Gotcha. Yeah, very cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Shelly. I can't wait to share your story in our upcoming digital magazine, which again, folks, drops on January fifteenth. And you can only get it through our newsletter. Shelly, let people know where they can find you and how they can track you um, in one month from now when you're down in New Zealand. Yeah, I am Shelly Van Dievens on Instagram, Strava, super unique. I know, first name, last name. Uh, but that is where you can find and follow me. <clears throat> awesome. We look forward to following your journey on race day and can't wait to cheer you on as you're out there you know, multiple time zones away, but we'll be loud enough for you to hear us. Appreciate you all. And I will hold you to your offer to crew me at Badwater one after, day. So just, just so you're aware. I've always, I've always, on video records. After crewing. video of this.
I've said it before, after crewing it, I have no desire to actually run it myself. But on the crew side, I will absolutely do it for anybody who needs help. It, it's an awesome experience. Good to know. You too, yeah, yeah. Have a great night. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Thank you, guys. Bye.